0: The following is a presentation of Remnant. Hey, this is Jeremiah from Remnant Church. We want you to be encouraged and filled with hope through your experience as you listen in. This life can be complicated, even confusing. But it's our hope that you catch a glimpse of God's unconditional love for you and His purpose for your life. Thanks for listening. You're listening to a message from Pastor Jeremiah Vick. (laughs) That was a bad idea. Um, Man. I want to say good evening, but, um, you know, I I was just kind of thinking through some things this afternoon, and, uh kind of asking myself where I would have been if I was a follower of Jesus back then, if I was one of his disciples. And I know those guys were scared. I know they were worried. I know that they were confused and they, you know, they weren't expecting this. I mean, even though Jesus had told them, I don't know how many times, I mean, they just, for some reason, it just didn't get into their heads, you know? So they didn't, they didn't really expect that to go down that way. And so they scattered I mean, one of his disciples out and out betrayed him, took his own life. Another one of his disciples denied him after promising him that, you know, I'd be willing to even go to prison with you. I would die for you. And then denied him. And then the rest of his followers just kind of dispersed. I mean, they just, they just kind of gave up on the whole mission, on the whole plan, on everything that Jesus had been telling them from, from the very beginning, these guys just kind of let everything go. They just dropped it all. And, and I wonder, you know, we, we live in a country that is pretty free. I mean, sure, we, we complain about certain things, and, and, you know, I mean, let's, let's be honest. We, when it comes to, uh, you know, things going our way in this country, sometimes we can just be really... Um, I don't know, selfish, I guess. And, and, and yet, um, where would we have been? Where would we have been as followers of Jesus on that, on that night when they were crucifying Jesus? Like, where would, what would our attitude have been? I mean, would, I love how John, we, we've been going through the Gospel of John on, on Sunday mornings at, at Remnant, and I love how John was like the one disciple, the one follower of Jesus that was there at the foot of the cross when Jesus was being crucified. And that had to be the most difficult place for him to be. And I bet he wished he was anywhere else. But he was right there. And, and Jesus' mother, right there at his side. I mean, that, that blows my mind. How Jesus' mother could, could watch her son suffer and die. I, I think that I think that Mary got it I think Mary knew what was going on I think she understood and I think that's the reason the only reason that she was standing right there when that happened Um, Victor read that read that passage uh, for you tonight it's kind of a long passage we should have probably warned you that was going to be a long passage but um, um, I was going to read John 19 and and, and Victor had had said hey I want to do a scripture reading and I'm like oh that'd be perfect because it's such a lengthy um, piece, I want to make sure that everybody gets to hear the whole story, but I didn't want to, like, take up a whole lot of time during this, this moment. And, uh, and, but I wanted you to hear it, and I wanted you to not miss out on it. And I hope you picked up on something, because um, my, my message tonight is not guilty. So I hope you picked up on something that happened in this story, um, when Jesus was, was brought before uh, these different leaders in this mockery of a trial, Right? there were three different times where, where Pilate tried to get Jesus off the hook with the religious leaders and the people. I mean, he, he, he basically said three different times, he's not guilty. He said, I don't find any guilt with this man. And, and then you'll notice there's another part of the passage where, uh, where Pilate was very much afraid. Pilate was actually scared of what he was about to do. And maybe that was a reason that we've, we recorded in the other Gospels that that he goes and he, he washes his hands, right, and he, he says, you know, I, I'm, I'm freeing myself of any responsibility in this situation, like as if he could do that, right, in, in one act like that. But he knew, he knew Jesus was not guilty, and yet he still turned him over to be crucified. I mean, think about this. I mean, we, we get really upset when we hear about an injustice, right? We hear about somebody who, who should have gotten justice in a, in a particular court case and, and it doesn't happen that way and we're upset about it. We tweet about it. We put it on Facebook. You know, we start a debate. But imagine the Son of God, the innocent Lamb, even, even the guy that had the power to send him to the cross said he's not guilty. I, I find no fault in this man. And, and that's where I want to sit tonight. I want us to, to kind of sit on that idea of, of Jesus not being guilty. Look at verse 4. Just the, Pilate just comes right on and said it. Verse 4 from the passage that we read. He says, it says, Pilate went outside again and said to the people. It says again because this is his second time doing it. He says, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. And then, and then it happens again. Pilate goes before them and is like, you know, I just want the record to show that I don't find any fault in Jesus. He wanted the people to understand that he didn't want to be incriminated when it came to the death of Jesus, especially when he heard that Jesus was the Son of God. Did you notice in this passage when they said he's the Son of God, that's why we're having him killed, Pilate was scared to death. He was like, wait a second, you, you, didn't, you didn't mention this, right? Why am I just now hearing about this part of the story? But, but yet, Pilate was in a place that we find our, all of ourselves in at one time or another. In a place where we feel like we can't, uh, we can't go back. It's, it's like we've done so many things wrong, and we've headed the wrong direction for so long that we just get to a point where we're, we're asking ourselves, is there any, even any chance of me going back? I mean... Think of the embarrassment that I would face if I went to someone and admitted that I was wrong in this case. Think of what I would have to deal with. I mean, we, we've actually had that argument with ourselves and our own minds and have said things like, you know, I can't make things right in this situation because it's going to make me look bad. And I believe that that's the struggle that Pilate was facing in that moment. But, but understand this. Despite what's going on in the story, despite what's happening on planet Earth, from ages and ages past, this has been planned. There was, there was nothing that, that any one person could have done to change the will of God and to change what was going to take place on that day. And we call it Good Friday because we understand that Sunday's coming and that Sunday is Easter and Jesus rose again. And so we can say it's Good Friday, but I guarantee you there probably wasn't a single follower of Jesus that thought there was anything good about that Friday. So what was it that took Jesus to the cross? If Jesus was not guilty, if even the, the farce of a court claimed he wasn't guilty and he still was sent to his death, what was it that did send Jesus to the cross? It was our guilt. It was our guilt. Tonight I only have two things that I want you to remember. The first is that it was our guilt that put Jesus on the cross. Don't think that because you were not there in the crowd or because you were not a centurion with a hammer in your fist that you're not guilty of sending Jesus to the cross. Here's the thing that we all struggle with. We all struggle with our part in this whole sin story, right? I mean, this whole thing that started a long time ago where we, we have, you know, inherited sin. And let me just say this about the sin that we've inherited. It's, it's not so much that, that we have something that's been passed down to us. It's that we have this desire to do wrong. We, ha- we have this, this uh, willingness to always Go the wrong direction. As a matter of fact, when we talk about how it, it was our guilt and not Jesus' guilt that took him to the cross. Think, think about these two things. First, in Hebrews 4.15 it says that Jesus faced all the same testings or temptations that we do, yet he did not sin. So that's a description of Jesus' life. That's, that's Jesus' Credibility. And by the way, that's what Jesus went to the cross with that reputation of not doing anything wrong. So we have that passage in Hebrews 4.15. And then compare that to the passage from Isaiah 53 verse 6 that describes us. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So we have have two descriptions. We have a description of Jesus, who lived life here on earth and faced all the same types of temptations that we face, and yet not once did he sin. And and, and let me just say this. I mean, if if you, you think about Jesus track record and how he approached every situation in life without doing anything wrong i just want you to think about a typical day just just take yesterday okay or even today if you're brave enough and and think about think about how your day went i mean at what moment when you woke up in the morning at what moment did you say to yourself i'm going to have the perfect day i'm not going to do anything wrong we we don't even have that expectation for ourselves right we, we don't even set those kind of standards for ourselves, even though we have complete control over our actions. We don't even tell ourselves, hey, I'm not going to mess up today. In fact, when I get up in the morning, I'm just like, God, I know I'm going to mess up today. And I'm probably going to mess up a lot, so I'm going to really need your help today. I, we can't make it through one single day without messing up bad enough that our sins... Would send Jesus to the cross. Not one day of our lives could we be good enough to not be included in that group that crucified Jesus. So it wasn't Jesus' guilt that sent him to the cross, it was our guilt. But there was something else that sent Jesus to the cross. It's actually kind of a, a combination of things. It, it was our guilt and it was his righteousness. Because there was no one else that was worthy of this sacrifice. There was no one else who could have gone to the cross and made this kind of a sacrifice and paid this kind of a debt. It was, it was his righteousness. Romans 5.18 says, Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Now think about this for a moment. If we can't go a single day without doing something wrong, without messing up, without making mistakes, and if our guilt is what put Jesus on the cross. Jesus had to make a conscious decision that it was going to be his righteousness that was going to face off with our guilt. There was absolutely no one else that could die on the cross for our sins. There was no one else that could give their life for us. Jesus is the only one. Now, did he want to do it? Well, sometimes we can be a little bit confused about that question because we know that the Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The joy, that's us. The joy of us being reunited with God. The joy of us once again having a relationship with God. That's the joy that, that Jesus endured the cross in order to obtain. But when Jesus was in the garden and and he was praying and he was feeling all of the weight of what it meant for him to die that day. When when he really had this moment between him and the Father where he could truly reflect on what this crucifixion was going to be, on, on not just the physical suffering that he was going to go through, but on the mental and spiritual torture that he was going to experience. When when the weight of all that settled down on Jesus, what did he do? The Bible says that he was under such anxiety, such stress that he he literally sweated drops of blood. And he said to the father, he said, "If there's any other way, I would rather go that way." But he said, "Nevertheless, it's not my will." but it's your will. He said, all my human emotion, all the human fear, all those, those human experiences that each and every one of us have and we face every day when we, when we are challenged by a, a struggling situation, Jesus experienced that in that moment. And in that moment, he said, I don't want to go to the cross, but I'm going to go to the cross. If, if we could just have the tiniest piece of the character of Jesus that caused him to make that decision that day, we could live the same life that he lived without sin. Because we could look at every, every situation in our life, every, everything that we face, every circumstance, and we could say, this is what I want to do, but nevertheless... The will of my Father, not my own will. It wasn't Jesus' guilt that took him to the cross. It was our guilt. But it was Jesus' righteousness that made sure that he went there. He was the only one who could pay that price for us. Now, now here's the thing that I, I, I find every time I come to God's word, I'm confronted with a choice. And you may be, you know, reflecting on the, the crucifixion, the story of how Jesus died, and maybe emotionally that, you know, that does something inside of you. Maybe it, it brings out these feelings that you just are like, I really, I love Jesus, and I don't feel worthy of the sacrifice. And so you kind of are, are welling up with these emotions. But let me ask you this. The, the feeling that you get from this story... Is it enough? Is it enough to make you want to turn away from a life that is sinful and that doesn't honor Jesus? I mean, we, we do this every Easter, right? We gather together, we commemorate the sacrifice of Jesus And even as I was watching the video, I mean, the same thing was happening to me that was happening to your heart. I was feeling all those feelings of, of God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve that Jesus did that. But tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up, it's going to be a new day, and I'm going to say, God, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes today. I'm going to need your help to get through the day. Here's the thing. Jesus' righteousness is not something that Jesus wants to keep to himself. See, see when, when we begin a relationship with him, when we invite Jesus to come into our lives, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were, they were like, I don't like that expression of us, you know, inviting Jesus to come into our lives, because it's like, it's like Jesus invites us to come into his life, right? I think I like that expression better, but however you, whatever you want to think of it, that moment when we surrender our hearts to Jesus, God gives us something. God gives us something. He gives us something to replace our guilt, to replace the the sin and and all of the the consequences that are due. He gives us Jesus' righteousness. And somehow in this, we, we can't even make sense of it, somehow in this crazy, supernatural way, God transfers the righteousness of Jesus to us, to our account. I, I can't think of anything more amazing than that. H- have you ever um, checked your bank account and, and, and you were just like, uh-oh. Have, have you done that before? Uh, you know, they have apps now. They have apps that you, for your bank, right? And, and so every once in a while I'll go on the app and I'll, I'll check my account from the app and, and I'll be like, oh, I, I didn't know that was going on at the bank in my account I didn't realize that you know can you imagine if if you went online to check your bank account and all of a sudden you had more money than you ever imagined you could possibly have I mean you would start to ask some questions right or maybe you wouldn't maybe you'd just be like oh, I'm good with that <laughs> close the app I'm going to Macy's right I mean wouldn't you wouldn't you question that wouldn't you wonder how, how did all of a sudden I get credited with all of this good stuff when I didn't have anything? The, the same wonder that you would experience, I mean, that feeling of like, you know, wow. That, that feeling that you would get from that experience, that's the kind of feeling that we should have when we recognize that God transfers Jesus' righteousness from his bank account to ours. When Jesus... Says, I love, love you so much that I'm willing to pay the price for your sin. And now I give you my right standing with God. The same right standing that Jesus has with God, he gives to us. Guys, I don't know about you, but that is just, that blows my mind. Because I don't deserve to have the same kind of access to the Father that Jesus does. You remember how scared Pilate was when when he found out that Jesus had claimed to be the Son of God? Why why was he worried about that? Why was he worried about that? I mean, these Romans were were pretty religious when it came to the fear of the gods, right? And so when this guy thought there was even a chance that he was going to be upsetting a god, even if it was a Hebrew god, that made him shake in his boots. Do we shake in our boots... When we think of upsetting the one true God, when we think about our own actions offending the one true God, is that the kind of fear that rises up in our hearts? Guys, here, here's my point tonight, and I don't want you to miss this. Jesus didn't deserve to die. He was not guilty. Even those who would put him to death said he's not guilty, and they, and they did it anyway. So it was our guilt that sent Jesus to the cross. But it was because of his righteousness, because of Jesus' righteousness, that he went there and made everything right between us and God. You know, you've heard it before that that this isn't the end of the story, right? I mean, we we spend the night reflecting on Jesus' sacrifice and what that means to us. But guys, if we gathered together and talked about Good Friday, but we didn't get up on Sunday morning and talk about the resurrection, how empty would our lives be? I mean, there would literally be no hope, there would be no purpose in our lives if it wasn't for what happened three days later. Because what Jesus did was not only did he exhibit the fact that he had the right and he had the authority to stand for us and to take the punishment for our sins, to absolve us from guilt, but Jesus also showed his power over sin and death by raising from the dead. And my friends, that's one more thing that we receive from God. We receive Jesus' righteousness, but we also receive the resurrection power. That power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's power we have access to on a regular basis. That's, that's something that, that God has given us so that we can use that to live a life that brings Him honor. And again, how often, how often do we access the power that comes? from Jesus, power that was displayed in the resurrection. Do we, do we access that power? You would think that these are like the best-kept secrets in Christianity, right? I mean, it's like we all know this, but we don't live it out. We all know these things. We know what we have in Jesus, but it's like, how, how does that affect our lives? How is our life different because of what we know to be true about Jesus? Guys, here's the thing, if, if, if this weekend, if this Holy Week doesn't change you, if there's, there's not something that happens in your heart that, that manifests itself in your actions, <clears throat> if that doesn't happen, then I think you're missing the point. I think we're all missing the point of this weekend if it doesn't change who we are. You know, uh, the other day someone was, was telling me, you know, hey, uh, can't wait for Easter because we're going to see a few people that we haven't seen in a long time. And we kind of were like, yeah, that's, that's true, you know. And that, that happens, you know. Folks, folks will come out on Easter and take part in a worship service and maybe that'll be the only worship service they take part in for the year. Or uh, well, maybe they'll come out for Christmas too. But, but my point is this, that th- this, is, this is a significant enough moment in everybody's faith and everybody's journey with Jesus, everybody stops and recognizes it, right? It's like no matter how far you are from God, I mean, maybe you're here tonight and this is like the first time you've been in church in like a long time, but you recognize there's something significant about this moment. Guys, it doesn't have to be just a moment. It doesn't have to be just a weekend. It doesn't just have to be one event, in your life. It can be every single day if you're accessing the power that's available to us through Jesus. So, we're going to do something tonight that we share in common with Jesus as well. You know, when Jesus gathered his followers together, when, when he was getting ready to go to the cross, he, he had some dinner with them and, and they didn't get what was going on. They had no clue that this was going to be the last supper, Right? We look back on that moment and we're like, oh yeah, that's the Last Supper. Let's make a painting about it, right? I mean, we're like, that was, that was a significant event. But his disciples, that was just supper, right? It wasn't the Last Supper. It was just, we're getting together with Jesus. And they didn't understand anything that happened that night. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying about giving his life. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying about being betrayed. They, I mean, they didn't get, they didn't, even when Jesus said, guys, I want to wash your feet, they even, didn't even get that. They're like... You know, this is the weirdest dinner party ever. They missed every single point. We don't have an excuse. We don't have any excuse. We know that it was our guilt that sent Jesus to the cross. We know that the, the, the connection that we have with God is only available to us through Jesus' righteousness. And we know that we have communion with each other, that we have fellowship with each other because we're drawn together by that bond in Christ. So we know all of that. Now can we live in it? Can we take all the stuff that we know to be true and can we actually live in that truth and really live the life that Jesus wants us to live? It's not the end of the story. We're going to get together on Sunday. Whether whether it's here in the gym or whether it's at your respective churches, we're going to get together and we're going to talk about Jesus' resurrection and we're going to talk about that resurrection power, but guys, this is something that we can start living right now, in this moment. So I'm going to get ready to pray in just a moment. And, and I, would, I would maybe ask you to do a couple of things, because, like I said, we're confronted with a decision, and, and the decision that we're confronted with is, are, are we going to live a life, as Paul said, that, that's worthy of the sacrifice of Jesus, or is it just going to be another holiday on our calendar? So we have to ask ourselves, is this this a big enough deal for me? Is this a life-changing deal? Maybe you've experienced a life change through Jesus. Maybe at some point you've given your heart to him. But maybe you don't live every day like it's Easter. And and that's the reality that God wants us to live in. So I'm going to pray and we're going to close with a couple more worship songs and the reason we're going to have a couple songs is we want to allow enough time for you to be able to go to the communion table which is right over here on the side and, and you're going to be able to take that bread that represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us and you're going to be able to eat that and then you're going to take that, that grape juice that rep- represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us and when you do that, you're going to understand the significance of that because Jesus said, when, when I present these things to you, I'm, I'm saying, this is, this is like a promise. This is like a deal, a special deal, a covenant that I'm making with you where now you have access to me, you have access to the Father, and we can be in communion. That's why it's called communion, because we have this open communication with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And so don't take it lightly. Understand that this is a, a beautiful precious thing that we have in our relationship with God. And, and, I, and I just encourage you, before you go over there, maybe there's, maybe there are some things that you need to talk to God about. Maybe you need to just, like Pilate did, you know, when he was confronted with this truth, I mean, his, his, his first instinct was to to run away from it, right? And so maybe maybe that's something that you're dealing with right now. You're confronted with your own guilt and Jesus' righteousness and you just run away. You want to get away. But Jesus, with open arms, is saying, don't run away, run towards me. And so maybe tonight, that's the decision you need to make. Maybe tonight you need to say, you know, I'm tired of living life the way I've been living and I want to start living a life that's worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. Maybe some of you want to do that for the first time, and maybe some of us are just being reminded of how good it is that Jesus gave his life for us, and we have this relationship with God. Whatever it is, I, I, I want you to spend a little bit of time in that. Just kind of sit in those thoughts for a moment, and then, when you're ready, just go over and grab the, the communion elements. And, and I encourage you, if you're a family here, you, you can do that as a family, you know, go together and sharing that together. I mean, this is like a a fellowship thing, right? Communion wasn't like something Jesus tagged on to the end of dinner, right? It wasn't like Jesus is like, oh yeah, one more thing, guys. We're going to do this communion thing, right? Clear the plates, bring out the communion. No, it was like part of the dinner, right? Jesus is like, we're breaking bread here. And this bread reminds me that my body's going to be broken for you. And we're drinking wine here. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the blood that's going to be spilled. So I just encourage you guys, don't, don't, don't let communion become just a tag on, just, just something that we, we do every once in a while, but let it, be, let it be something that reminds us of this open communion we have with God at all times. Does that sound good? So Father, tonight, just as we're reminded, there is nothing that we can do to fix our own problem of sin. And our guilt is what took your son Jesus to the cross. But God, we know that it was his righteousness that allows us to be in right standing with you. And in some Crazy way that we can't even fully make sense of our, the, our guiltiness, our sin and your righteous, working in your righteousness, working in, in tandem and, and allowing us to be able to have access to you, God, and to everything, every blessing, everything that Jesus has to offer us. And God, I thank you for that, and I pray that this wouldn't just be one night for us, it wouldn't just be one moment of reflection, but God, that every single day of our lives we would be reminded of the amazing privilege that it is to share in communion with you. The incredible power that we have access to through Jesus. God, let that begin to, to become a part of our everyday God help that help that to show up in every moment in our lives, every action. And I thank you. Thank you God that Jesus Jesus took care of everything. It's all paid for. We don't know what thing Help us to live like that. We love you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a presentation of Remnant. For more information, visit us at remnantchurchonline.com.